Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Eddie, what are you doing? <laughs> just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. It's Wes. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. This is why I would invest in this show. That's a promo. Two o'clock on a Monday. It's Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. No firings announced. No breaking news sounders. No Wes Bryant reaction. <clears throat> screaming at the top of his lungs because Fiddy's about to tell us something important. No even jokes so far throughout the first two hours of the show. What were the chances you thought something might change? Did you guys come in with like a, man, there's a real 50-50 shot? We might not see Frank Reich, the head coach, any longer. I think 50-50 was a good way to put it. I I came into today thinking something could happen. I Uh was more leaning towards it not, but 50-50 would be a good way to describe it. What about you, Fiddy? I don't want to go into all of the information because we do have a future of the coaches in the Carolina segment coming up. I'm really interested to get to from all of us Panthers, Hornets, Mac Brown, retire talk, Mike Elko leaving for A&M talk. We got a lot of that to get to. But what were the chances you thought you were going to hit that sounder with some Frank Reich news about him not being here anymore? I mean, I thought it was definitely on the table, but no one got fired during the bye. No one got fired after the Thursday night loss, which are the two weeks in the schedule where those type of things take place. It's also Thanksgiving week, man, and Dave Tepper might be a crappy owner, but I think he's a good man at heart and doesn't want to fire a man three days before a holiday. Oh, but that negates the fact that I believe he fired Marty Herney on Marty's birthday. Ooh. Well, birthdays, I mean, when you're an adult, they're, they're irrelevant, man. Uh, I mean, once you fast forward, what you looking for? You just... Wow. What an outlook on life you got. <laughs> so, so you can say that, but I also, I also think on your birthday, you're probably looking to not get fired. I feel like... This is true. So, and, and when you get fired on your birthday, I don't think David Tepper cares what holiday is coming up. If you ain't getting the job done, you ain't getting the job done. I want to fire you now. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. I don't care. I ain't got no thanks to give to you. right? Yeah, now. and that's wow. something you'll always remember, too. Your birthday will always be attached to that bad memory. That's right. But, Fiddy, I'm going to need you to live a little bit more life and have a little bit more to look forward to. If you get to 40 and don't have anything else to look forward to. Yeah, I was about what, to say, what are you what have? What are we doing oh, here? Well, I'm glad it, it was interesting, too. Should I just give up? Well, that's right. So, <laughs> Wes... Wes just celebrated his 40th birthday not too long right. ago. I just celebrated my 31st birthday. You got I, nine years, man. You better enjoy them. I thought you were going to say <laughs> something before you gave the 40-year-old caveat. And I was like, wait, I just celebrated this weekend. Did I do something wrong? And Fiddy, is that okay? Like, what's going on? So, right. all right. I guess if you get old enough. Are you old enough, Fiddy? Or, I mean, are you don't even. Well, I know, but you don't do anything for your birthday anyway. Like, I guess. Oh, no. I, I celebrate my birthday. What'd you do this past birthday? It was the day before. Went to the UNC game. It was the day uh, we went the day before my birthday. All right, but that's just a normal 
weekend for you going to North, another North Carolina game. Yeah, I actually had to work on my birthday. Okay, well. <laughs> That's when you, you know when you're part-time, you don't get your birthdays off in radio. Did we not just sit here and watch me work on my birthday, too? Right. Did we? I don't. Yeah. Did we not just see that? Did but we not see 40, West, What are you going to do? Did we not just see Wes work on his birthday as well? Yeah. I didn't see any of that. All right. That's because you weren't paying attention. <laughs> Hopefully you pay attention during your own segment coming up here. It's time now for the Live Wire. Live Wire Connect. Live Wire's on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live Wire's connect. Be honest with you guys. We got some Panther audio we're going to play here. I've got some audio from the Michael K show that I listen to every day at the end of the segment that I think is going to make both of you sick, but will lead us to a very fun and interesting conversation. But we'll start with the Panthers. And a lot has been made about this offensive line, which has made former offensive linemen like Wes Bryant make them look bad. He said this morning that he makes them look dumb because they ain't picking up on the basics. Well, Frank Reich was asked yesterday, did they misevaluate on their offensive line this season? No, I think, you know, I think that from a pass protection standpoint, um, you know, we just have to keep working. You know, we just, uh, you know, this, this particular defense is as good of a pass rush team as there is in the NFL. I mean, that's just, that's just what they are. So I give them credit. Um, I thought we would protect better. I thought we had a, a good protection plan, you know, to try to double Parsons when we could. You know, there's going to be some five-man protection stuff that gets, you know, where the throw gets out quick. Um, so we had a variety of things in the protection scheme up, but we just weren't able to execute. Wes, I want you to put on your offensive line hat one more time because we were talking about this this morning in the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. There's, there's bad. Like, you know, what, what What certain – like the Giants. The Giants are bad up front. What the Panthers are is completely different because they can't even do the basics, man. And you're letting Micah Parsons, who, again, top three generational pass rusher in the NFL, single-handedly kick five men's asses yesterday. It's embarrassing. And James Campen, who's regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches in football – Hasn't been able to fix this line since the preseason. Well, the tough part about this line, and I mean, if you look at yesterday, pro football focus has the Panthers offensive line credited with giving up eight sacks, 13 hurries, 23 pressures on the day. That's a rugged outing. And the thing that you look at when you talk about it is I say linemen are generally, offensive linemen are generally regarded as some of the smarter guys uh, on the football team. But when you watch You heard guys, it in his voice. You heard it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you heard it. Yeah. We're yeah, one of yeah. the smartest well, guys. The uh, thing is, well, you know, I just wanted to say we're <laughs> one of the smartest. Well, the thing is, is that you see them and they, they miss on so many fundamental things, picking up games, which are stunts and you know, picking up on some of those delayed blitzes, which NFL defensive coordinators are great, uh, a lot of them, and so they're going to get you sometimes. That's fine, but we see them miss on a lot of uh, passing off of guys and stunts and different things like that, man, where they say, okay, they, they assume a lot. They're like, okay, well, this guy's going to do this. I'm not going to worry about him, and then that guy comes off and makes the sack, and if it's not that, we just see them getting out physical. We've seen Bradley Bozeman and Austin Corbin, those guys get knocked on their keister a few times en route to the quarterback uh, for the defensive line. And so, um, you know, Frank Reich, he can try to dress it up as much as he wants to, but this line, it's as bad as it gets. And until they address it with pretty much, they're going to have to revamp the majority of this offensive line 
this offseason. And I don't know what they're going to do as far as moving Icky inside if they decide they want to do that. But if not, addressing the interior of this offensive line has to be the utmost of importance to the point that where I say, if you've got a guard sitting there with their first pick of the second round, a guard or a center that they feel like can be a dominant Pro Bowl caliber player, you got to go get them. But this line needs an overhaul. We don't need anybody to tell us how bad the offensive line was yesterday. We know for a fact that those guys did not protect Bryce Young against the Dallas Cowboys. With that being said, I would like to just show some confirmation, depending on how much credence you put into the PFF grades at all. I wanted to read the pass blocking grades from the offensive linemen yesterday, Wes. And they're as ugly as you think they might be. Taylor Moten actually had a good one. 72.6. Other than that, Iki Aquanu, 23.6. And he was the second best pass protector. <laughs> and it was 23.6. Bradley Bozeman, 22.5. Austin Corbett, like the only glimmer of hope that you had at all coming back off of an injury 11.5 pass protection grade damn, damn. and Chandler Zavala coming in with a 10.7 the worst offensive lineman pass protection grade that you had all day yesterday so Taylor Moten the most consistent the best and then everybody else is in the red like the dark red like good god turn around right now it's so red that's how bad it was for everybody else and this is what This is what kind of offensive line is blocking for Bryce Young. Last point about the offensive line. Wes, you brought up the stunts. If you have any creativity rushing the quarterback, Wes, if you have any stunt whatsoever, they might not get a hand on you. That's what we saw yesterday. You're so right, and it's frustrating to watch because Bryce Young just has to either melt to the ground, try to escape, and if he does, then you have to get a wide receiver open downfield, which doesn't happen too often. Speaking of Bryce Young, he had a new old play caller in the form of Frank Wright calling plays once again yesterday, and we saw the Panthers play with some up-tempo, and it worked at times when the Panthers would get first downs and had Micah Parsons standing on the sideline. He talked about if he liked playing that way, then he's more comfortable in that type of offense. Um, you know, it's all, all about film. You know, you go in, you go in with a plan. Um, you know, you go in, you, you talk about how you're going to, you know, attack the game. And then, you know, again, it, it's based off of off of film and how things are going. So, you, you know, you can't really go into games of we're going to do this the whole time. We're going to do, you know, obviously you have a, you know, you, you have a, have a game plan. You have stuff you can, you know, you can control the initial thoughts. But after that, um, you know, I, I trust trust Coach Wright, trust his feel. Um, and, you know, that that's just how it's going to be moving forward. I know we've talked a lot about the benefits of him playing under center. I go back to Cam's rookie year, and the one thing that Rod Chudzinski did the entire year was made Cam Newton comfortable in, in, in the NFL. We've played 10 games. Bryce Young has played nine. And the biggest thing that's the, found, the downfall of Frank Reich and Thomas Brown is there hasn't been a game once where he has looked comfortable. But in the no huddle, I thought you saw there's some of the things that Bryce did well at Alabama that led him to be the number one pick in the draft. In this game, I think you saw some of that. I still have to go back to Houston where I saw him look the most comfortable evading pressure, throwing it downfield, throwing either off platform, playing out of structure and connecting Adam Thielen, connecting with Jonathan Mingo, even a DJ Char. One of the few times that we heard from him this season, you're talking about him rolling over on a crosser and even one of the drops in that game. Wes, you could have seen Bryce Young throw for what, 250 because of that reception alone, except he dropped it in what was an extremely accurate pass. I still 
still think that's the most comfortable he looked. But I'll say this, more so backing up your point, Fiddy. I don't think he played as poorly in this game as he did against the Colts and as he did against Chicago. I mean, we had the Michael Strawn reception. We did have the Steven Sullivan reception in this one. The only two 20-yard plays or more in the last 116 snaps. That was a stat I saw from John Ellis who put that out on Twitter. My God. Yeah, it's so bad. No, you're right. It, I, it's shocking. It's a shocking stat to see. I do think he played better in this game compared to the other ones, even with him missing guys. But Joe Person wrote an article on The Athletic, Wes. It does feel like Bryce Young is regressing. It does feel like that in the last three performances. And everything else is bad around him. The play calling, the offensive line, the lack of talent with the wide receivers, going against a defensive line like that. It's why you couldn't have any confidence that this was going to get better. But, man, it does feel like everything is getting worse. Yeah, and so the Panthers did make it a point to – uh, go with more two tight end sets in this game, too, to try to get the running game going and even on passing downs to give uh, those defensive ends a little bit of some resistance, a little bit of a chip on the inside as the tight ends are releasing. So they did try to do that a little bit more of a vertical running game instead of zones that they've run a lot, too. So he tried to change a few things up, give them a few wrinkles. Obviously, it didn't help but so much. And so uh, they, they tried to do what they could for Bryce, but as far as him regressing, yeah, he has. And, I mean, it's just getting worse and worse, and especially when you talk about the amount of sacks and hits that he's taken. Not a lot of time back there. I think it's throwing off his process for uh, how he would like to be back there, obviously, maybe making him a little bit gun-shy as far as throwing the football when he wants to do it because he may be starting to get to the point where he's anticipating the hit instead of kind of waiting and going through it as he should. And so I think all that's kind of playing into this where it's just a bad stew on offense. Uh, Stanford P asked, what's the worst PFF offensive lineman grade ever? Did we set a record yesterday? No, I think Chandler Saval actually said it earlier this you year. you got to be up there, man. I well, haven't seen a lineman with numbers as bad as his and well it's imp- well it's impossible because i, I was going to mention savala actually got a zero earlier this year Burn! remember that was that's a real thing yeah. that happened savalo recorded a zero what you got fitty all right now let's get to the fun stuff i think we had this conversation a few weeks on our show about odd smells that we enjoy because i think gasoline was one of them that wes and i agreed on <laughs> i like i like moving on from the panthers so we can get to odd smells that we oh, enjoy because th- th- I've, I've been waiting to play this audio for o- over 48 hours well the michael k show on 98 7 in new york they got in the same conversation on friday and here's what the show host and the voice of the yankees what is one of his favorite odd smells in the world you know what's strange? I love, I think I've, I've told you this before, I love yeah. the smell of skunk. Weird. You mean skunk, skunk weed? No, pot. no. Just uh, pot. skunk pot. Like, when I, like, would, I, I'd be driving down the sprain, um, up the sprain <laughs> highway, right? Parkway. Mm. And I'd smell, like, a really strong skunk odor. I'd get off the exit and go back around just so I could smell it again. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. You know, every moment that you talk, (laughs) you become weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, is that is that LaGreca that said who was the one that asked if it was weed? That was that was Rosenberg. Okay, I thought so. I've got another piece of audio I want to play because he didn't stop with just admitting he likes the smell of skunk. But the world knows this stinks, Michael. 
People go to great lengths to try to get it off them if their dog is sprayed. And I've, I've a always wanted to be sprayed by a skunk. Oh, yeah, it's so weird. That is get, No, that, that can't be true. I, I love the smell. I'm sorry. I wait, know it's crazy. <laughs> wait, so you're, you're saying out loud on the radio that you've always wanted to be sprayed by a skunk? Yes. <sighs> All right, so what is... What is your favorite odd smell? And guys, have you ever, A, driven back to the same spot to smell a skunk? And Walker, you're a fan of animals. Have you ever been wanted to be sprayed by a skunk? No, I would absolutely never want to be sprayed like a, by a skunk. I don't enjoy the smell. Now, it is funny, though. I do think that weed can smell like skunk. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, that's why they call it that. But, like, you get close enough. I, it's crazy. It's weird. You lose me all sorts of places when you say you want to get sprayed by a skunk because you got to imagine where that's coming from. Like, really? What kind of weird stuff are you into, my guy? But when you talk about that, like it's actually enjoying the smell. There is a close enough relationship. As Pete Rosenberg was mentioning, he was on that UGK West popping the trunk, smoking a skunk to make us feel good. Michael K is on that UGK? Yeah. No, he's actually on the real skunk you're talking about. Yeah, I would say my weird smells would be, and Finney and I talked about this, gasoline, mm-hmm. uh, vacuum cleaner, air. Oh, and it's really? dirty, yeah, right? Yeah, vacuum cleaner, air. Oh, like when you used to have an old school with the hoses, you could smell the, the air. <laughs> I used to like that. So that's what's wrong with you. I, I mean, I don't know how dirty a house is if the vacuum cleaner smells that bad. If it smells really bad, you're vacuuming up some stuff that mm. uh, probably shouldn't be in the vacuum, okay? <laughs> but uh, other than that, and money, I've always liked the smell of money. Money's kind of dirty as well. You not dirty money. Look, y'all act like I'm sitting here picking up money. money When you get fresh, crisp dollar bills, the way it smells. I hope if it's not coming directly from the bank, then it's going to be dirty. That's what I mean. So let me specify. Fresh, crisp dollar bills, because you guys think I'm sitting somewhere in an alleyway picking up dollar bills and smelling them like, oh man, it smells great. If you had to (laughs) choose, would you rather be sprayed by a skunk or inked on by an octopus? Uh, inked on. I think I'd rather be inked on. Oh, you guys made me ink. I guess inked on. Yeah. I don't know what that was. That's from Finding Nemo. The Finding oh. Nemo reference. Yeah. I'd rather get inked you, on. You've never seen Finding no, Nemo. I'm not. <laughs> Baby, let's not talk he about all the was... stuff you haven't seen. Dude, but you, I you've mean, got an 11 year old precious baby boy. You've never seen Because he never Nemo? wanted to watch that. That was before his time. We weren't watching the old Disney movies, we were oh. watching new stuff. Oh, Wes. It's like Pity. a top three Disney movie of all time. There's a hundred movies I could name that you should have seen by now that you haven't. But you know what? Bad parenting job out of you. You've never. You've got four days off this weekend. You better watch Finding Nemo with your son. We won't be. I can guarantee you, we won't be. Okay. He said you haven't seen Casino. That was his. What's worse? Put it on the text line. What's worse having not seen Casino or Finding Nemo? Find out next. Wesson Walker. <laughs> next. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. and looking at the history of Charlotte sports and actually young senior year in high school, Walker Mayo was out there reporting for nobody in particular, really for my probably 237 Facebook followers that I had at the time. But 13 years ago today, mm-hmm. I put out a Facebook status, Wes. Steven Jackson recorded the first triple-double in Bobcats history 13 years ago today. Believe that was against the Phoenix Suns. So Captain Jack, we appreciate you, dog. Cool stuff there. (laughs) That's really what we got to look forward to. But the Charlotte Bobcats, they recorded the first triple-double. We can move on and read some of these text messages. We asked you, what is more embarrassing, having not seen Finding Nemo or having not seen Casino? Justin from Charlotte, I hate to side with Fiddy, but Finding Nemo is a must-watch movie for kids. Sorry, Wes, you got to watch it sometime. 704, I've seen Goodfellas more than 20 times, but have never seen all of Casino or Finding Nemo. 704, Casino by far. Finding a cartoon character is for a child or special adult. Uh, oh, goodness gracious. I just read that one. That was uncalled for. Gas House, Gas House Earl. I would expect nothing less from somebody titled <laughs> Gas House Earl. As a grown-ass man, it's definitely worse not seeing Casino. All right. And there we go. We have some of the answers rolling in oh, on nice the text man. line. Yeah, it really did get a nice mix. You want to talk about the future of some of the coaches in Charlotte? Let's talk about it. Okay. We talked about it last segment or last hour, I should say. But what do you think the future is for Frank Reich and Scott Fitter? It doesn't have to be just coaches. It could be important figures within each of these programs slash organizations. Is it a matter of when each of these figures get fired, West, Or is there still a legitimate question, hey, maybe they hold on to their job going into next year? No, I think the future for Frank Reich and Scott Fitter is pretty much written right now i think that they'll be done at the end of this season i think it's just going too bad and maybe if you come in and struggle as i've said the optics of it if you're competing if you're offensively inclined to where you're coming out putting points on people and maybe you need to tweak the defense or a possession here or a possession there could have changed things but this team is getting beat down on a regular basis Uh, a lot of the games aren't even close offensively they are inept And so I think that's going to spell the end of Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer's tenure here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Scott Fitterer would be more of the foregone conclusion uh, of him being fired. I don't see a world where he comes back. I don't see a world where you allow him to be at the helm of another offseason trying to figure out what personnel you can put in place to help Bryce Young. I mean, I, I could see that scenario with Frank Reich, but ultimately I agree with you, Wes. I really think it's a matter of time. And I do think that Frank Reich is going to be a one-and-done coach, but he's going to get the full 17 games in. I don't think they're going to fire him before the season's end. I think there are too many times that David Tepper has talked to us about beating all these other teams to the punch. But remember, man, I think it was a little later in the process when they announced Frank Reich as their head coach. So despite having moved on from Matt Rule so quickly, they had Steve Wilkes, somebody that I, you know, depending on who you ask, they were seriously considering being the permanent head coach. 
but eventually they named Frank Reich, uh, Frank Reich later. So I don't even know if they're beating anybody to the punch whatsoever. I think Frank Reich, it's a matter of time before he's gone. Let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets. Steve Clifford, Mitch Kupchak, same thing. Head coach, GM combo. Do you think that both of these guys are going to be gone by the time we get to the end of the season? And do you think each of these guys are gone actually midseason? Um, that's a that's a good question about the midseason. I'm going to say no. But since they went 48 and 34 in 2015, 2016, they've had seven out of eight losing seasons. I think it's time for this franchise to swing for the fences, uh, not to be cheap hiring coaches. Uh, I think this is the time now for them to go all in, try to go find a marquee level coach to come into this franchise. And they're also going to have to revamp this roster because at some point something has to be done to show that this organization wants to win and win uh, on a big level, maybe not elite, but to be able to start to start the genesis of the Hornets becoming uh, a player in the Eastern conference. And by that, I mean, get into that four to six range, uh, in the playoffs. And yes, it's going to take some time, but I think that, you know, unfortunately for coach Clifford, who definitely means, well, he wants to come in and get this team together defensively, but it's just not sinking in with the players. They're just not following through with his instruction. And so I think Clifford and Kupchak are going to be gone. And, and especially too, with this new ownership, I think it's time that they swing for the fences for once. Yeah. New ownership changes the calculus on all of this. I think with Mitch Kupchak, we were discussing whether he was going to be back for this next contract, even going back to not this past offseason, but the offseason before that. We had already had this conversation. So with nothing more to show with a winning roster, you are getting your guys back to some degree. No, the injuries aren't as bad as last year. I, they are still bad. I get that. But you, for the most part, yeah, Terry Rozier's out. I don't know if any team can expect to be 100% healthy all the time. I do think injuries do have a reason as to why they're not performing as well. But now you have Miles Bridges back. You have LaMelo, hadn't gotten hurt. P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward. It, for the most part, this was going to be your squad. And yet they're still not performing. So Mitch Kupchak, I don't think he comes back, especially with new ownership, wanting to put their fingerprints all over the organization as majority owners. And I don't think Steve Clifford is going to come back, especially if you continue the losing ways as the season goes on. So I'm with you. I think both of these guys are gone. We'll see who they decide to hire. I'm not sure, but it's a matter of timing for me. It's a matter of if they do it midseason or at the end. And I think the Charlotte Hornets would be most likely to fire somebody midseason than the Carolina Panthers would with Frank Reich, I guess. I would put that more on the Hornets just because we're so early in an 82-game season. There's still plenty of ways for this to get real bad for the Charlotte Hornets organization. Let's move on to college football. I don't think Mac Brown's going to get fired. Mac Brown has this job if he wants it. The real question is, does he want it? Because there have been some real conversations had here, Wes, and Fiddy will get your opinion on this too in a moment, but Mac Brown possibly retiring. And the other one maybe being fired is Gene Chizik because the defense falls off a cliff for the second straight year, and it's been a while since the defense has been something you can depend on. What do you think the chances are that Mac Brown and Gene Chizik return next season? Uh, I think they'll both be back. I think when you look at Mac Brown, he said on November 16th that he plans to be back uh, in 2024 on the North Carolina sidelines. And I think that if he was not, he would have just either stayed mum on it 
or he would have come out and said, I'm not sure what my plans are going to be. But I think the fact that he's come out and said this, now obviously it's going to help him in recruiting because especially now in this climate, you can't afford to be waffling on if you're going to be back or not because recruiting is just, it's too, it's up the notch from what it used to be. And, you know, you talk about the NIL transfer portal, all that type of stuff, but you've got to let players know and let guys know that you're going to stay because it's, it's very time sensitive with a lot of these kids now. I think with Gene Chizik, I think he did a really good job with them the first half of the season. Obviously, they did fall off. Um, but again, those are due to shortcomings in recruiting. Carolina has just not had the requisite defensive line uh, to be able to sustain having a quality defense. And that's where it starts with them. They haven't had the pass rush. Cayman Rutgers had a nice year, but that's about it on that defensive line. Uh, but they, they've got to really do a better job and get some guys in there up front if they really want to get this defense on track to being one of the better ones in the ACC. Fiddy, how did you respond to some of the rumors earlier this week that Mac Brown might be coaching his last season at North Carolina, and how true do you think that possibility still is? I think it's very true because I I thought before the season this was his final year. I don't know if he I had... did hear, hey, just to give you some credit, like I do remember you talking about this with Jeff filling in on Charlotte mm-hmm. Sports today. It was kind of funny because you were doing the whole, hey, this is what he should do thing, like... It, it was it was funny the way that you were discussing it because you were almost speaking it into reality. But here you are, Fiddy. I'll just I'll give you applause because you were talking about it at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't know if he has the the energy to go through a rebuild. And when you're going from Sam Howell to Drake May to you know a, a, a Connor Harrell, you're 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 going through a rebuild. And Carolina won't be competing for an ACC championship. Even in an expanded playoff world, they won't be competing for a a spot in the college football playoff. And so, and look, he accomplished everything he set out to do. He made the job better. He made it more attractive. He he brought back winning football again, which was the ultimate goal when he got the job. And so, I think he's done. You look at the way he reacted after they beat Duke. Not Roy Williams s where Roy Williams kissed the court, but if you could draw comparisons and parallels, that's the one. And I I think that was a writing on the wall. No, I. You're you're not feeling it though. Wow. No, I, I'm just wondering. I get the comparison. Well, I'm I'm just wondering what what do you think, Fiddy, about what he said? And then Jeremy Coach Trump speak, said man. that Mac is full steam ahead, and he's already playing spring practice and setting up recruiting visits for December. Hey, uh, well, she ever been sold oceanfront property in Arizona, man? Yeah, this is true. But I think if Mac Brown wasn't coming back, Arizona, I don't think he would have said. <laughs> I don't think he would have said anything at all. Or I think he would have said, "I'm unsure." Well, but you see, you brought the recruiting aspect's the biggest part. You said how it's. I mean, it's it's ten times worse now because of the portal. If Mac Brown was to confirm then and there, how many guys in your recruiting class decommit? How many guys are already doing their stuff in the portal to yeah. go ahead and, and figure out where they could go to? Like he's got to try to keep it together. That way, if he does step down, the guy that's coming in to, to take over isn't going to be screwed like he was when he took over for Larry Fedora. Yeah, but that happens if he quits now or later. If he decides to quit in at the mm. end of the season, kids are still going to decommit and go elsewhere because you have that rule that you can do that. Look at Texas A&M. They had a window where kids could uh, get into the transfer portal after Jimbo Fisher was fired. So if he quits later, the kids are still going to decommit and leave and do what they want to do anyway. No, but see, this is where the calendar sits in. I mean, Mac Brown could get the recruiting class in, get their, their their transfer portal in, and then wake up like you know January 17th and be like, man, I don't want to coach anymore. And guess what? Those kids ain't going nowhere. My, my question to you, Wes, is you are – mocking Mike Elko's comments mm-hmm. when discussing the possibility of him leaving Texas A&M and you're taking this at face value with Mac. What's the difference? 
because of the fact, like I said, if Mac Brown didn't have to say anything, like he tried to get out in front of and say, look, I'm going to be here. To me, if he was fairly certain he was going to retire, I don't think he says anything at all. To whereas we see situations all the time where coaches will come out and say, hey, you know, I'm not leaving this job for another job. And then they go to another job. And we know that this job that Elko could be offered is a clear uh, step up from where he is now to where we know the money's going to be that much different to where it's going to be hard to turn it down. We know that the calling of the SEC is going to be that much different for him to have a hard time turning that around. So with the parallel that Fitty brought in, Roy Williams' reaction and then Mac Brown having the reaction that he did, I could see that as to why you know people have talked about this potentially happening. I will say, too, as far as the recruiting thing, you can also make a little bit of a comparison here, not that Mac Brown accomplished as much as Coach K, but that was a big reason as to why you hand over the job to John Shire, where Coach K is still doing the recruiting thing and it helps with recruiting. And then John Shire is that guy that takes over as the head coach to help keep some of those recruits. I wonder if there's anything like that where I don't want to hand over the head coaching job to a Gene Chizik. I mean, here we are talking about him possibly being let go. Yeah. I just wonder if there's any... Carolina family member that matters as much with the football squad. I just wonder no. if there's any way. Yeah. He'll give it to Dre Bly. Uh, <laughs> you imagine? Yeah. I'll be it, back at the foul line again, boy. Is there any, is there any way to, you know, hold on to him that way by handing it over to somebody else already on staff? Just something interesting for me. All right. Last couple of, uh, I want to go rapid fire. Cause I wanted to get all of these teams in. Let's go Duke with Mike Elko. What do you see with Elko's future? I think if Elko is offered the Texas A&M job, he takes it. Otherwise, I think he stays in Durham. What about you, Fiddy? Let's get you in on all these rapid fires. Today, I think today Mike Elko's Duke's head football coach in 2024. I agree. I think it's a good setup for him, but the money is the only reason as to why you would accept the Texas A&M job. I know it's a step up. I get it. But with Duke, you got it made. Like here you are with the Blue Devils, where they don't expect anything like Texas A&M does. And if you don't reach college football playoff contention, bye, you're going to get fired. You might have $70 million coming to you whether you work for them or not, and that's why money to me is the only reason you would take take that job. But Duke, you got it made. You can continue to get roll out eight win seasons. He's good enough to do it, and you're a made man. Now, this is true, but quickly, I'll just say that the type of kid I can get at Texas A&M, and you look at the job he's done at Duke, and I can get more depth and I can get a better quality player. Like, yeah, this team is very veteran-laced with Duke, but I can go get four and five stars on a yearly basis at Texas A&M to, to improve my chances of winning as a head coach if I believe in myself that much. Do we all want to clean sweep and say Sean Clark saved any type of issues he might have had with his job security this weekend after beating undefeated James Madison? I just don't see, especially with the way that he's turned it around even before this James Madison win, man, you're not getting rid of Sean Clark now. I don't think there's yeah. any chance. I go App State next year. Yeah, App State, right? Like it's pretty pretty clear to see. And and kudos to him. Pressure was on for him, man. No doubt about it. And he was able to steer that program in the right direction at the end of the season. Monster win over James Madison, despite college game day being there. Monster win. Do you have any thoughts on Sean Clark? Yeah, I mean, I would say he's back unless they lose their regular season finale and then lose their bowl game, maybe. But I think the win on Saturday. I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I even still think you could go 0-2, I guess, depending on how bad know, it man, is. I don't know, man, because he joined Kyle Bailey and said, look, where I come from, 9-3, and 10-2, and that's the expectation. Seven and six, even with that win over James Madison, still below the expectation. Now, next year, that seat is going to be warm. Well, it was this year. Yeah. 
It was this year. It's a it was a weird season, but he did turn it around. Last one, South Carolina, Shane Beamer, three straight wins for him. You know, did he stave off any pressure that might be coming his uh, I way? I think he's back, but the seat is warm. Uh, they definitely have cut on the oven and are waiting to uh, season the beef and put the roast in the oven. Okay. Are you going with any of the kitchen comparisons that <laughs> Wes decided to roll with, Fitty? No, I'm not. I think Clemson blows them out on Saturday, but I do think Beamer Ball is back in Columbia for one more year. I agree. I agree. All right. That is the future of the coaches in the Carolinas, whether it be college or whether it be professional. Time now for the last Fitty Flash of the day. I know you guys have been intrigued about what Shohei Otani's MLB free agency is going to be. There's a pitcher from Japan coming over. I'm not even going to try with the first name, but I can say the last name. Yamamoto. He's officially been posted um, for for free agency, and the bidding is supposed to be the second highest uh, of the hot stove winter meetings upcoming in a few weeks. He could demand the most money that any Japanese pitcher has ever gotten mm. when they've come overseas. And Walker, you could probably remember back when you were baseball male. I can remember you a know few. what you know what Daisuke Machu, uh, Machusaka got the gyro ball. You know Kodai Singa this year at the Mets got big money. And so that's just another name to watch. And he's going to be a fun guy because a lot of contenders, West your Mariners could be in on him. The Rangers right. who just won the World Series. My Mets are going to go after him. We're all going to be on Shohei Watch, but this guy's another guy to keep your eye on as well. I love when the big-time players come over from Japan and it's all fun. the bidding war and stuff like that. And uh, especially for this pitch, I just hope that, you know, It'll be fun until Tommy John. I'm sorry, I had to say. Wow. I mean, it'll happen to all of them. Every pitching prospect, they're the greatest ever. They're lit. They're gonna be unstoppable. And then Tommy John comes at some point. I, I hope that's not true, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do love when the players make their way over, and it doesn't matter where from, right? Like we can talk about, you know, some of these other guys. Like uh, I remember Yasiel Puig was a monster. Mm, Jose Abreu yeah. for my wife. White Sox, yeah. Jose Abreu, monster hitter, rolling over into the major leagues. It is always fun to see. So, hey. how about Yoannis Cespedes? Yeah, one of the best nicknames, the Cuban Missile. Oh, what a great nickname! Tommy John Cespedes. prefers that you call him Thomas. Okay, I don't know if I get the joke. <laughs> I, I tell you, down the break. I just said that to be silly. Obviously, I don't know where this ends. Yeah, find out where it ends. Weston <laughs> Walker, Sports Radio, ninety-two-seven WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I got some ocean property.
a comeback there and choke the hell out of you. Wow. I caught that sub he's saying. He think he's slick. He's not slick. He just said something to me about oceanfront property, no, remember? Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Slick. yeah, man, I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Fiddy. Fiddy is uh, shaking in his boots behind the soundboard, playing some George Strait. Yeah, you know. Um, okay. But welcome that was back. aggressive. That was <laughs> welcome back to the last <laughs> segment of the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Real quick, man, I wanted to bring up, did you see Snoop Gata said that he had quit smoking? And he actually is promoting a smokeless, uh, some type of, it looks like a smoker, so to speak. He's roasting marshmallows over it, and he said Snoop got everybody. Not surprised. No, he didn't get me. I thought he was for I, real. No, 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 no. You, you didn't buy it? No. Uh, ain't no way. You're right. For me, when you talk about Snoop Dogg quitting smoking, one, I'm not sure if this is the first time that he's done it. But I saw a couple people not fooled on this as well, mm-hmm. saying, I know a marketing ploy when I see one. We know Snoop is one of the best to ever do it in the marketing game. So many people want Snoop to promote their product. I had to imagine that was going to happen. What a weird thing for him to come out with, say, I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to lie. I didn't buy it for one second. Yeah, he's going smokeless with the solo stove. It's the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. We have one. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's it's really nice. Listen, of man, course, it's you really do. cool. I'm gonna start calling you George Jetson out here, man. You got all the you know futuristic type of mm-hmm. products at the house. You know the Suve and yeah, Suve. Add yeah. it to the list. Thirty-two gallon fish me. tank. Excuse me, us commoners don't know how to pronounce yeah. that kind of stuff. You know? No, I guess Tell not. Tell us about the smokeless. Uh, so the idea is that it. You know how no matter where you sit around the fire, the smoke will find you. You know how that is? Like, it doesn't matter. Okay, let me sit. I'm not trying to sit downwind anymore. Oh, where you move around the fire pit, the smoke is going to hit you. It's going to be in your face. It's going to be uncomfortable. So the solo stove doesn't allow that. So, like, I I don't know what kind of technology they got. I'm a commenter myself in that regard. But it doesn't allow the smoke to hit you wherever you move. Every place around the fire pit is free. And so I did not purchase it. My girlfriend did not purchase it. It was actually a gift. From her parents, I think, two years ago. So, something like that. And so, you guys use it. This is about the time of year where you guys will go out there and use it, huh? Yeah, we haven't used it this year yet. So, yeah, yeah I think I'm going to start being again. like you and asking Walker, when is he going to uh, have us over now to sit around the smokeless pit? It's, it's but, never going to happen, man. Walker's too good for us. But you know what's unfortunate, real quickly? You know, I bought a fire pit for us. A cheap one. This one is not anything that you would say. Oh, Mr. Moneybags. No, no, sir. We all know. We all know you're cheap, man. I got. I got a cheaper option, uh-huh. and it was pretty cool. It was like it was. I liked it, but then immediately after I got it, her mom got her a fire pit that was the solo stove, and immediately destroyed mine. Oh, so she won up. She said, oh, "Man, yeah. my daughter ain't. Yep. My father. My daughter deserves a better fire yep. pit. I'm gonna give her one." She didn't know about it, but I. So we had had that in our possession. It was for Christmas like two years ago, and so I I got her that fire pit. I was like, "Yeah, we can put it out on the patio. This will be a lot of fun. There are a bunch of different things that you can do. Where you, you it's got like a bunch of different. Um, it, it can adapt to whatever. It's versatile. And then her mom, like three, four days later, gets her a solo stove. And I'm just 
the boyfriend that was not able to get her the top of the line product like her mom was able to do. Well, you know, if wow. you weren't paying for every streaming platform known to man, you probably could have afforded a better Christmas gift there, Walker. And just so you know, to continue to fight back against the <laughs> money bags narrative, we do not have every streaming platform known to man anymore. You pay for people to clean up your dog poop. Like you're, you're That's not, true. you're, you're not going to run away from money bags mail, man. That's true. That's true. You're only, not. Only ten bucks a week, though. By the way, that's forty bucks a month. That's a tank of gas. I can't do math. I do know that, and mm. it is worth every single penny of that forty bucks a month. But we don't have all the streaming platforms anymore, right. which is which is good enough for me. What did you I'm get good. rid of? I'm trying to think what we got rid of. I don't think we have Paramount anymore. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't. We do have Disney Plus still. Um, we certainly have, we have YouTube TV. You know, we don't have like Spectrum or anything like that. You know, of course that would be dumb. So yeah, we got rid of a couple though. Okay. A couple of them that I didn't really care about anyway. So I'm trying to fight back against that narrative as much as possible. <laughs> well, real quick before we get out of here, Walker, your uh, Charlotte 49ers have a big game with Central Florida tonight. Two, three, and one teams. Is Charlotte basketball going to uh, continue their winning ways? I certainly hope so. Look, I... I'm really interested in how this basketball season is going to turn out for mm -hmm. them. Aaron Fern being the interim coach last year. It happened so late in the process. Remember Ron Sanchez decided that he was going to go back to Virginia real late and there wasn't a lot to choose from at the time. And so it feels like this is going to be a interim turned at least one year opportunity for coach Aaron Fern. Mm -hmm. And We'll see what he can do with the squad that he has. And this was a tough situation. I, I really don't know what to expect from this basketball team long term, but I'm hoping the best for Aaron Fern because this was not the easiest situation to be put in. And hopefully they can score more points than the offense for the Charlotte 49ers. It was fun against Memphis mm -hmm. having that opportunity, but they did not continue their offensive ways in this last game. Boy, it was bad. At least they didn't get blown out. That was nice, but the offense continues to struggle no matter who the quarterback is. Are you hoping for the best with uh, Boston and Charlotte tonight? Mm. Yes. Am I hoping for the best? Yes. Yeah. Do I expect the best? That is a different answer. <laughs> Boston's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite right now as we sit here. Yeah, I expect the Boston Celtics to win. Like, is there, you know, what's the selling point? It's, the selling point would be Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward, finally figuring out within these last couple of games – how to play with one another. LaMelo maybe getting other guys involved, continuing to hit shots because he has hit shots from the perimeter, not turning the ball over. So LaMelo struggled with that, had six against Milwaukee, turned it down a little bit against the Knicks. Hopefully that can happen, but really it's just guys, you know, trying to shoot better and hit three pointers and stop the other team from hitting three pointers. Also not allowing teams to go back in easy score fast break. I points. know Milwaukee was cooking on them the other night. It seemed like they couldn't stop Milwaukee from shooting a three if their lives depended on it. And so, Walker, you're getting a little bit of heat on the text line. Uh, trophy husband says, Walker, have a kid at $40 a month and a kid costing just over 20 k You can break even on poop 911-911, I should say, <laughs> yeah. in just under 42 years. Uh, then a 704 number said, no wonders Walker's opinions sound like they come from a 20-year-old. He's he's still got a girlfriend struggle. I don't know if I quite get that one. but uh, You said I was catching heat. Where's the heat at? Well, they're just trying to say that you sound like rich guy, Richie Rich. 
a.k.a. George Jetson. That's what I'm going to start calling you, George Jetson. Okay, I'll take that. I like Mr. Jetson. That, that's pretty sweet, yeah. Are you uh, familiar? I mean, I know that was a little before your time. All right, I'm not, you know, yes, I know the cartoon. Okay, I know the Jetsons. I know the Flintstones. You know? I know all of those cartoons. All right, that'll do it for Weston Walker. Thanks for joining us as you do every midday from 12 to 3. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.